and welcome into Poke the Bear, episode nine, presented by BetUS. Evan Maradovsky, alongside host Connor Ryan of Boston Sports Journal. Connor, how we doing? Uh, I got to be honest with you, Evan. I'm kind of concerned. I'm looking at my calendar now, and it's a lot of empty space until maybe December, January. I really don't know. So, season's over. We got to readjust. Well, it's funny, yesterday, uh, or Monday night when I was watching the end of uh, game six of the cup final, I'm sitting there and I'm like, wait a second, this is it. Like, yeah. we don't know. It's supposed to be December 1st, Tuesday, the NFL announces that, or the Titans announced that a bunch of people come down with COVID. Um, it's getting real that it could be December, but it might not be December. We don't know when this is going to come back. So I hope you enjoyed the return to play. The two months of hockey, I hope you, you know, took it all in. And if you remember those days in August when there were like seven games a day. Beautiful. Uh, I hope that you guys, and, and I know we both enjoyed it. I hope all you listeners enjoyed it just as much because, uh, first of all, that'll never happen again, all those games at once. Uh, back to back to back. Uh, hopefully. hopefully never again. Uh, but uh, it, 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 who knows when this comes back. And uh, is that you drinking a McCafe? Is that not Dunks? You know, it's, uh, I'm going to quote uh, a great inspiration of mine of Bear Grylls and that you have to improvise, adapt, and overcome. And I got a uh, Dunkin' Donuts was closed last night, so I got a McDonald's one instead. However, it is also uh, like National Coffee Day, I think, so I will stop by my local Dunkin' Donuts later just for, support the boys and support the boys in, in pink and purple, whatever the hell they wear. <laughs> I think we just lost the Dunkin' sponsorship. <laughs> um, but damn it! I, for, this is for people, by the way. This podcast is on video. You can watch it on Twitter. You can watch it on. Can you watch it on BostonSportsJournal.com? Yep, we have it posted pretty much whenever the video goes up. Yeah, so you can watch it, and if you watch it, you can see Connor. Take a little swig of a McCafe. So uh, more incentive to watch it. I'm uh, actually kind of more concerned because the fact that it looks, looks like I'm working at like freaking Target with this polo on, which I'm kind of concerned about, which shouts to Target. But I have a red shirt on too. Yeah, so true. Yeah. I guess we're both working at Target on this one. Um, yeah. But so uh, obviously the big news Monday night was the last hockey game in history. Uh, Lightning <laughs> stars. The Lightning pull it out. Huge win. Um, very deserved for that core, obviously. Tough to see Anton Hudobin not lift the Stanley Cup or win the Conn Smythe like I'd hoped. Um, what are your takeaways from that game or the yeah. series? Yeah, I mean, I think you saw in the immediate aftermath, I think, as we all expected for any team that won except for the Bruins. Um, you're going to get a lot of people saying that it was an asterisk and, you know, take this championship with a grain of salt, which, I mean, yes. Like, you look at kind of where the Lightning were at, you know, where they were in March when the season was stopped. You know, I think they were three and seven. Stamkos was hurt, obviously, which ended up not really factoring in, in the long run. But, you know, Hedman, I think, was hurt, um, you know, in, in that last game that they played. Um, Vasilevsky seemed like he was completely gassed. It was kind of like how Frederick Anderson is every year with Toronto, where they just start him so much that he runs out, runs out of gas. So, definitely, I mean, yeah, it definitely helped them out quite a bit. But I don't know how you can look at that the run that Tampa had this this postseason not be impressed with everything they put together when you factor in the fact that Steven Stamkos played under three minutes of ice time. You know, you had Brayden Point who took that next step into being a superstar. Um, Victor Hedden was incredible. And they had all these guys. You know, it, it's a team that already was, um, you know, one of the more sound teams ever built in terms of it seems like they had just strength everywhere across across their lineup. And the fact that, 
you know, they should get credit for being one of the few teams that really went all in at the deadline. And you saw that payoff again, Blake Coleman scores, scores that other goal for them in that game, in that game six. So, um, you know, I mean, tip of the cap to Tampa, because I mean, they were one of the best, if not the best team all season long in terms of maybe talent on paper, they come back from, you know, that embarrassing exit last year and kind of blow everyone's doors off. So, uh, you know, credit to them and for, it's funny because every year you always look at the team that wins the cup and it's a, such a copycat league, right? But I, I think, uh, Sean Tierney, who does a bunch of great analytics work, had a tweet where it's like, yeah, you know, the NHL is a, a copycat league. So all you have to do to be like the lightning is draft well for 10 years, you know, win every trade you make and, uh, you know, just develop these, these guys like, like Point and Kucherov who, you know, weren't top of their class in their draft years, but are, top two, two of the top 10 forwards, maybe in the NHL now. So um, I mean, credit to that team for just building, building a wagon of a team. And pick up on undervalued free agents, you yes. know, uh, Kevin Shattenkirk and Zach Bogosian. So, I mean, that, that like when you think of a perfect team, it's really them. I mean, mm-hmm. when they, when they put it all together on paper, the best team. Um, and, and it was nice to see Stamkos lift the cup. I mean, Stamkos is universally liked. Mm-hmm. Um, weird kind of thing to see him, you know, passing the cup around without fans. They didn't boo Batman. They didn't. That was the most disappointing any- part. I, I, yeah, like, yeah. You know, the NHL did what they could to make this as realistic as possible, considering the fact that there's no one there. But when you when you have Gary out there and there's, there's no booing, I mean, it takes you right out of it. You got to boo. You got to boo. That's why the there's an asterisk for asterisk for me. There was yeah. no booing. When yes. Batman brought the cup out, which makes it feel fake to me. No, I think this actually was honestly tougher with the being in the bubble and, you know, having to grind through being away from your family and friends in that, you know, in, in after that ESPN story where they pretty much discussed how it felt like a prison <laughs> yeah. in there. Uh, I mean, that really could not have been much fun. So I, I, great series, great return to play the NHL. I mean, really, they followed through on this whole thing. So uh, kudos to them. The bigger story Monday – Maybe my favorite of the offseason thus far um, is the fun rumors with Jack Eichel. So Bob McKenzie yesterday coming out of semi-retirement. Tweeting, imagine my on everyone. Yeah. Like, what? Imagine my surprise when I started making calls today and heard Jack Eichel trade rumors, including unverified chatter he may have at some point requested uh, a, a trade out of Buffalo and that New York Rangers were amongst interested teams. This, of course, required further investigation. He had a whole thread basically walking it back, like, hey, some people, you know, his agent said this, and the team and Eichel said this. But obviously, it stokes the fire on just a fun trade rumor. And we've discussed this before with Eichel. I mean, Eichel's a fun guy to discuss. Obviously, he's stuck up in purgatory with Buffalo. Um, The fun, though, came when Ty Anderson uh, tweeted, for what it's worth, I was told Bruins were among teams in communication no clue how they possibly pulled off, but hey, let's have some fun. So Twitter did have some fun. Oh, they so did. Twitter had a great time with this. Go figure. There were some amazing, amazing trade uh, proposals for the, from the Bruins' perspective to get Jack Eichel on the Bruins. Mine is Nick Ritchie, John Moore, uh, mm-hmm. and the ghost of Greg Zanin, or the memories yes. of Greg Zanin. That was mine. Mm-hmm. I think it might be a little bit of an overpay. Uh, what, was, what would your ideal trade be? 
What do you think? Well, I, uh, you know, you know, Evan. Um, I think they could probably put in. You know, you don't have your first round pick, so your second, your fifth, probably Nick Ritchie, uh, Tuker, and uh, yeah, I think that's it. It's like that's what all these that's what all these fucking trades were yesterday. Is like, listen. You're getting a dude who's 23 years old, who's like a franchise cornerstone, who even if you look at his numbers, which are great, like don't paint the whole picture of how damn good Jack Eichel is and how much he would extend this cup window for seven plus years if you bring him on board. <laughs> like you can't trade for that dude who's also under contract for the next six years. You can't trade for that dude with guys you don't want on the team. That's not how it works. Not even NHL 20 will let you do that shit. Like Yes. Oh my the, God. the best part is you said it. People just want to get rid of people they don't want on their team to get mm-hmm. someone who would literally change the whole team. Like yeah. the best part, the, what, what discourages me most though is really credible people. Well, depending on how you look at it, credible Boston media folks, you know, Justin Pelletier, former uh, editor of the Herald uh, said, Eichel for Tuca DeBrusque in a third, then sign a keeper on short term, Flurry or Holpe as a bridge to Swayman or Vladar. I mean, that, Tuca DeBrusque in a third isn't getting you, you know, an, a good winger in the top six. Tuca has a year left on his deal, might retire. DeBrusque is a fringe, you know, uh, a fringe top six forward, you know, third round pick, third round pick. Uh, I mean, it's just, it, it is incredible to me. Uh, just the, 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 some of the trade, I, that's why I love Twitter trades. I think it is awesome. It's awesome. It's so much fun. Um, to see the the Twitter trades get thrown around because and and the Tuca stuff, people I think are overvaluing Tuca in a trade, which is funny because right. a lot of these people are the same ones who hate Tuca. Right. Well, that's the thing is a lot of people. I mean, for Buffalo, I don't get what the appeal would be for a guy who's on the last year of his contract. It's not like you're if you're trading Jack Eichel, you're not going to be contending for a long, long time. Um, and even then, you know, it's funny though because a lot of Bruins fans want to trade Tuca, but then you tell them like no that wouldn't be a good piece to put in an Eichel trade. They'd be like, well, he was a Vezina finalist last year. It's like, then why do you want to trade him? What are you doing? <laughs> like, you can't have, you can't win both sides of the argument. Um, but no, I mean, listen, there's, you, we've seen every single trade proposal out there. The, the best ones are the ones that like people really put in the effort to try to make a deal that they think is fair, where it's like, oh, this is going to really hurt, but. I think it's going to be DeBrusque and Kahlo and maybe a second. It's like, no, that's not enough, man. Like, no, you're Anika, not. the Zaborl and Rask, Jimmy Murphy threw the, the, out the, a, uh, I, a trade proposal. I, I mean, there was one where it was like, uh, just like a, a random person on Twitter, but it was like, any person in the farm system except Sidnika. I'm like, all right, well, they're not going to take that. <laughs> like, 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 I mean, if you're going to be looking at um, a, a realistic, realistic, you know, trade proposal for Eichel. I mean, it's going to have to start with either McAvoy or Pasternak is what, I mean, unless Buffalo is going completely off the rails and they pull another Ryan O'Reilly, which I mean, <laughs> it's Kevin Adams first year in the first year, you know, as GM, this is, it would be a franchise altering move. That's going to set you back at least five years, if not a lot, a lot more. I mean, you trade Eichel, it's going to haunt your team for, for a long, long time. Um, so I don't think, uh, Kevin Adams is going to be going into any potential trade if they were offering him without, you know, worrying about getting fleeced because, um, 
if you don't get a legitimate return, whether it's via a guy like McAvoy, um, plus other assets, it's not going to be just, it's not a, a, a Bob McKenzie one for one swap, you know, McAvoy for, for Eichel, but Hall for um, Larson. Yeah. Um, I mean, again, never doubt the NHL dropping, uh, or, or NHL GMs, you know, messing things up and, you know, trading guys for under what their value is. But I think for a guy like Eichel, I think, uh, for Buffalo fans' sake, for their sanity, that Kevin Adams can kind of appropriately, uh, you know, gauge what the value would be to get him. Because for Bruins fans, I mean, there's always a saying you have to give to get. But if if you're trading for Eichel, you're giving up uh, a whole lot. I mean, Eichel is almost McDavid, and I mean, you're not. This is a franchise-altering guy. Um, yes. And I mean, I have this. I have this written here. I mean, I. And I don't, you know, my proposal, I guess, would be McAvoy, Stadnika, DeBrusque, and maybe two firsts. But maybe that's a, maybe that's an overpay. I mean, you might be sacrificing mm-hmm. some future, but I mean, Eichel changes you. Mm-hmm. Eichel, as you said, extends a window. So this whole idea that you can get away with trading, you know, oh, Rask, DeBrusque, mm-hmm. a prospect you don't like, you know, a third round pick, it just doesn't it doesn't work. Wish it did, but it doesn't. Um, I mean, you look at a team that is, you know, maybe could realistically go after him as a team like the Rangers, and that's you look. You look at their assets, and you compare it to what one the Bruins have, or what you're willing to offer comfortably. You know, unless if you don't want to get rid of McAvoy, it's like New York could just give them Alex Alexis Lafreniere the first overall pick they want to do, you know, it's like, it's like when Cleveland traded uh, Andrew Wiggins, the first pick to get Kevin Love, it like, it falls right in their lap um, in terms of, uh, you know, an actual legitimate asset to trade that would make sense for, for um, Buffalo. If you're getting a new potential franchise player in Lafreniere, who's 18, 19, as opposed to Eichel, who's, you know, only only five years older, but still, it seems like the writing's on the wall in terms of how that team's built. And again, Buffalo, you know, has the the leverage here in terms of the fact that unless Eichel just straight up like announces that he wants to get traded, you know, makes a big stink out of it, then you know maybe they have at least one more year to kind of dig themselves out of this. But I mean, you even look at <laughs> you look at that Buffalo team, and you look through. I was looking through their a cap friendly page. And it's like, you're paying Jeff Skinner like $9 million a year through 2027. You look at the way that team's built. Um, and you got, you know, Eichel's 10 million a year. You've got, uh, you know, Rasmus Dahlin, who's been great for them. He's going to be due for a new contract in a couple of years. So like, I, don't, I, that team just seems like it, it's so, you know, built in such a way that I can't see them. Maybe they'll have one year where they finally break through in the playoffs, but the way that November. team, yeah, yeah, exactly. If the season ended in November, you know, the first two months of the year when Buffalo goes like, you know, 11 and two on one of their stretches, then maybe they'll punish their ticket to the playoffs. But, um, I, I just don't see it happening where it's that team's all of a sudden going to turn a page, even with, you know, getting a guy like Eric Stahl, who good player, but I don't think he, he's the, the, the final piece that puts you over the top. They got a whole bunch of other holes to deal with. They have real problems. Uh, and, uh, t- I mean, to me, the Rangers are the team. That's the team. I mean, the first overall pick, you got a ton of prospects to give up. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot that you could exchange. I also would love Eichel in New York City. I think it would yes. be great for the league. I think the yeah, um, league would be very happy about that. The league would be pumped to have Eichel, to have Panarin there, uh, mm-hmm. to have that young core that, they, that they're building. 
Mm-hmm. Um, it's got the connections with David Quinn, obviously. Shout out to lovely uh, yeah. School of Institution. Shout out to you. Yep. Uh, but you're but you're right. Uh, Eichel and the Rangers would be ideal. Eichel and the Bruins is a fun pipe dream that will probably never happen, just because of what it would take to get him. I, I think he he likes Boston. We know that. Um, it's not that he doesn't like Boston. It's just that um, I think it's a lot to give up, um, yes. and I think people need to. Uh, I, but I do love the trade. I love the trade proposal. You know what? It's we're, we're staring at a very, very long off season. So I'm gonna let everyone just roll with it. Let's just you know, as long as we're talking hockey, it's a win. If we're you know in the middle of November and there's nothing going on, then then it's gonna get desperate. So I'm all for as many trade rumors as we can we can throw out there. I, I I know, and I also just love like the the fun the fun having jokes trade rumors. Oh, yeah. You know, bringing back old players. You know. <laughs> Casper's dog events, like things like that. It's funny, you know. I like the the humor involved in uh, in in Bruins Twitter. But uh, one thing you uh, can always count on is BetUS. And Connor, why don't you tell the listeners about BetUS? Listen up, sports betters. This is Connor Ryan here to tell you about my favorite sports book, and that's BetUS. Football, basketball, and baseball are all back. That means it's time to get down your bets. I only do us one sports book, and that's BetUS.com. Why do you ask? because BetUS is the pioneer in online betting with more than 25 years in the business. You need a sportsbook with integrity and longevity. You need to know that you're going to get paid. You need a sportsbook that offers everything, including live betting, MMA, golf, horses, esports, entertainment, and all kinds of crazy prop bets and futures. Nobody in the industry gives you bigger bonuses than BetUS. So go to BetUS.com now and fill out your information. It only takes a minute. When you get to the How Did You Hear About Us box, type in Boston Sports Journal. You can get up to 150% in bonuses on your first deposit. Nobody beats that. I bet at BetUS, and so should you. So join BetUS today, and don't forget, type in Boston Sports Journal to get up to 150% bonus on your first deposit. That's BetUS.com. That's BetUS.com. So we have, uh, along with the Jack Eichel stuff, stuff that's a little bit more legitimate in the Bruins world, that's a little more relevant uh, but we just talk about it all the time, is this Tory Krug news. Uh, Rear Admiral on Sunday tweeted, look for the Bruins to trade Tory Krug's rights tomorrow, as in Monday, to a team looking for exclusive negotiations before UFA opens on 10-9. Colorado, Florida, Vegas, and Detroit are among the suitors. Now, we're recording this on a Tuesday afternoon, so it could happen after. Uh, it could happen Wednesday, Thursday. It might never happen. Uh, Frank Cervalli. I hope I'm saying that right. Am I saying that right? Cervelli. Cervelli. Uh, of TSN tweeted on uh, Monday, sounds like there has indeed been significant interest in teams trading for Krug's rights. Uh, my belief is a last offer from Bruins to Krug's camp was six years, six and a half million. So lots to unpack. Krug traded and the offer that they gave uh, to Tory Krug. Uh, just your general thoughts on the situation. Yeah, Um Obviously, we'll, we'll see what, what the news is when this podcast drops, but not particularly surprising that they'd be looking at trading his negotiation rights because it seemed like that's a move you're going to see from a lot of these free agents if uh, both team and player kind of, you know, read the writing on the wall and realize that they probably can't work out a deal before before free agency opens up. And um, when they announced, uh, when Saravelli announced what the, you know, rumored contract was from, I was kind of surprised in that. I think Tory Krug, you know, wants seven and a half, eight and a half million on the on the market, and I think he deserves it. I mean, the guy's 
track record speaks for himself. He's taken a lot of short term short term deals here. Um for the, for the sake of the team and the way the Bruins cap situation was a few years back. Um, so he's uh, absolutely deserves to get paid. Um, the What surprised me is the fact that Bruins were offering six years. Because I think from the Bruins' perspective, the biggest kind of issue isn't really the average annual value. Um, it's more in terms of the, the term of the contract because I think they're worried about paying Gala Krug, uh, you know, still, you know, six million plus per year when he's 34, 35 years old and, how that's going to, you know, how that's going to look for this team when they're by that point going on to this next wave of players. And if you got crew who maybe his game is slipped by that point, I think that's a big concern for them. So I was kind of surprised that they offered six, six years in that rumored deal. But it, I mean, this could go a whole bunch of different ways. I mean, it, it would make sense if, you know, the crew wants to just go on the open market and, Again, even if the deal might be somewhat fair, if not a little undervalued, um, if Krug, you know, maybe it's just soured by the fact that the Bruins just kind of weren't humoring him at all in terms of a contract. I mean, he said for years now that he wants to stay in Boston. He's mentioned it time and time again that he wants to stay here long term, that he wants to get talk started on a contract. And it seems like they really didn't have any productive conversations till the season ended. So now, you know, they give him a, a deal like this that could be viewed as a low ball. And, you know, at this point he's like, all right, you know, it's, you know, I'm going to hit the market and get that 7 million plus per year. And um, I I think that's probably the likely scenario, even though you wonder just how much a guy like him gets on the market. Cause I think you're seeing whether it's the Bruins with them handling Krug or the blues handling Petrangelo. um, You wonder if these teams are like, all right, go hit the market and see what you have out there, but, you know, come back to us because I don't know whether these teams think that these top free agents aren't going to get as much as they expect because of the fact that I think a lot of teams are running scared with the fact that we're in a flat cap era now and we don't really know when it's going to get any better, right? We don't know if it's going to be in 2022, 23, when we're getting another increase in the cap. So maybe that causes a lot of teams that were maybe a year ago, we're going to hand out, nine and a half, 10 million to a guy like Betrangel, maybe it's eight now and, and stuff like that. So um, same with like Taylor Hall, I think from probably a year ago, you're probably making 10 million now. It's maybe eight and a half, nine. So yeah, maybe that's the, the route the Bruins take. But if it seems like the, that bridge is kind of burned in between working out a new contract between Krug and the Bruins, I could see them kind of just biting the bullet and trying to get something back for Krug, which again, you're not going to get a first round pick or anything like that back. Obviously let's, let's pump the brakes on anything like that. But if it's a fourth round pick, you know, if maybe there's a bunch of teams bidding for his services, maybe a third, but you know, fourth, fifth round pick, you at least get something for crew walking. Um, that seems like it's probably the scenario that most likely will go down just because I think it seems like it's just too much, um, you know, not radio silence, I guess, but it seems like there's too much burn bridges there to, you know, work out uh, a new contract. Trade Krug's rights to Buffalo for Jack Eichel. Oh yeah, we didn't think about that one. Or, or David Krejci, who's got one year left and has a partial no movement clause. So I, I'm sure he would love to go up to like like many people who go up to Buffalo, especially in the winter. I'm sure he would love to go up there. It's funny. One thing I didn't mention, and I, I just want to add it in. Uh, you know, many Bruins fans love the guys in the Bruins. There's only a few they really don't like. You know, they love McAvoy. They love Krejci. Most love Rask, some don't. Um, why would you want to send a player you love to Buffalo? Mm. Well, why would that be something you want to do? Um, yeah. Especially Crew. But but what I will say is, 
We're also forgetting that Krug wants to win a cup. Like the guy has not won one yet. He mentioned a lot in his exit interview. He wants to win one in Boston. When you look at it, I mean, you know, Cam Neal even said it, if to be honest with the roster, you know, I know the Bruins have opened up with like the fourth best odds for next season to go back to the, or to go to the cup final. But teams like the Avalanche and the Golden and, and Vegas seem closer. And they're on that list of suitors. Yeah. And I think I would not be surprised to see them make a move for him and say, hey, we'll give you six and a half, seven million, but we'll do it for eight years. Mm-hmm. And you're going to, you're with a, a, a younger, better core that is probably going to win more over the next eight years than the Bruins might. Yeah. Um, and that could be attractive to a guy like him. I mean, Denver's a nice area. Vegas, people love. People mm-hmm. have been loving uh, living in Vegas. Free agents have been going there. So, um, I, it's funny. I wouldn't be surprised to see him do that either. Cause Detroit, the winning's not guaranteed really. Yeah. Um, with the Bruins, the money and the term isn't. You go to Colorado or Vegas, maybe yeah. they have it. The Panthers have also been mentioned they're, a bit. They've, they've mentioned a lot too. Cause I think, uh, I forget who reported it, but I think someone's saying that they think Florida's going to be big players for it was, it was Jimmy well. Murphy if Boston yeah. Hockey Now was saying it. Yeah, uh, and then they saying the the Panthers were also going to be players for Petrangelo as well. So, so like both, I, get, I guess I I don't I don't know what what money they're printing down in Florida. They getting all these guys considering how much money they've tied up to terrible contracts. But I mean, there's a lot of teams that could use a guy like Krug. It, it, Florida's kind of interesting because it seems like they already have their kind of power play guy in Makar, obviously who's cheaper and younger, but. um I think Colorado's going to link to every single trade rumor or free agent thing because that team's young, and before these guys are going to get paid, they've got a, a crap load of, of cap space available. So you're going to hear them tied into everything because that's a team that seems like they're on the brink of being legitimate you know, cup contenders for the next couple of years. So, And the Panthers have Keith Yandel. Yes. Uh, but I, I look at Vegas. They're not a team that has uh, – I mean, they have Shea Theodore, mm-hmm. but they don't really have a distinguished – number one defenseman, it feels like, unless I'm forgetting someone. I mean, they have Alec Martinez, too, but I wouldn't mm-hmm. consider him to be a number one mm-hmm. or a number, you know, even a number two. So, I mean, maybe they go for Krug. I mean, I feel like they're linked to everybody, mm-hmm. just like the Colorado Avalanche are about to be. So, um, I just don't see him staying with the Bruins. I will say, though, I do think it is good that the Bruins are getting a little something for him, even just a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's – I think, you know, some people were questioning – this past offseason, or the offseason before this one, do you trade Krug now knowing he might not re-sign uh, to get something for him? And it's like, no, you wanted him to go for a cup for one last time. Yeah. They had him for that, and it didn't work out. But um, better than trading him, you know, at the deadline last year or or during the year there were some rumblings, they might try to do something. So, uh, obviously, um, tough to see him go, though, or tough to see him probably go. Uh, I was saying to you before we started recording, I was like, imagine if he stays and we're all just like kind of sitting here like, oh, damn, like <laughs> we really thought he was gone. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of people probably thought that too. So again, I think that only happens if, again, he hits the market and it's not, you know, what he's looking for, but then you run the risk of the Bruins are moving on and they're making moves. Then is the cap space still going to be there. So it's, it's kind of a, a tough situation because if, Tori Krug hits the open market and he signs a seven-year deal for eight and a half million with the team. I think everyone here, you know, must be bummed out because of what Krug brought to this team. But also, I think you'd be happy for him and his family that a guy like him, who's again put in that work, is finally getting paid um, and getting that big deal that sets him up. Um, 
going forward. But it's kind of a tough set. I mean, it's a tough break for all these, all these guys, um, whether it be the top free agents or guys who maybe a year ago would at least be able to keep on rolling with a, you know, one million, one and a half million dollar contract. Now they're looking at these, the, the cap situation and probably freaking out. So it's, it's going to be a really puzzling, uh, bizarre kind of offseason in terms of how these teams kind of approach it. Yes, uh, that is the best way to put it. Uh, puzzling, bizarre, all of that stuff. Um, but it, it will be good, I think, to see Krug get his money. Um, and I, I just, again, I don't, I don't see him coming back. I don't um, at all. Which stinks. We, you know, Krug's great, great to cover, great guy. Um, so it's going to be tough to see him. But if he goes to Detroit, you'll see him a good amount, you know. Um, I was saying to someone the other day, I was like, I feel like Krug didn't get his, his farewell moment in Boston. So it'll yeah. be nice to see him get one with whatever team he is when he comes back to the garden, when there are fans back in the stands, mm-hmm. uh, whenever that whenever might that be. Is. Yeah, exactly. Whenever that is. Uh, Connor, before I let you go, is there anything that you would like to tell the listeners about? Yeah, we're going to keep on chugging along with our offseason coverage. I think we're, you know, next week's going to get pretty crazy when you start looking at the draft and free agency and all that good stuff. So we'll have a bunch of stuff looking at some potential guys Bruins could be looking at drafting, especially in that second round where there still seems like there's going to be a lot of good talent available. So uh, follow us over at Boston Sports Journal. Subscribe there. And you can follow me on Twitter at Connor Ryan underscore 93. Do all that. And for Connor Ryan at Boston Sports Journal, I'm Evan Marinovsky. You have a great day. 